Kim, I would suggest actually starting with a small dosage edible, not smoking. You think? Five milligrams, no more, no less. This is my question. Do you want me to call you to see the experience or do you just want me to tell you about it? No, I must be there. You have to call me. (laughs) FaceTime me so I can see. Just, Just bring me some. All right, I'll come over. I'll be I'll be your weed Sherpa. (laughs) (laughs) Men, they dominate so many of the major business sectors in America. And when we think of these startups, a white guy is usually at the helm. You don't say a white guy. But there's one newer industry where until recently women were breaking in better than other sectors. (gasps) It's weed. It's my favorite thing. It's weed. Okay. It's my favorite industry. Uh, We will talk a lot about that, but it's weed. Yay. Okay, that's cool, because women from high-powered corporate America are definitely flocking to weed startups. They're behind a laundry list of CBD products, marijuana devices, marijuana-infused lotions, and pod bakeries. Yes. Yes, and you told me that in 2019, women held leadership positions in... 37% of marijuana companies. That's high Mm -hmm. compared to American companies overall, where women only held about 30% of leadership positions. And growing industries like these let women chart their own course in a way that they couldn't in more established sectors like finance. But even this example of a welcoming industry for women entrepreneurs isn't that welcoming. I mean, is it ever? (laughs) Is it ever when it comes to us? Women growers say they still run into rampant sexism, racism, and of course, your everyday casual misogyny. What's a day without a little casual misogyny? Come on, ladies. (laughs) Among their fellow weed founders, they get hit on at events and not taken seriously for financing. Oh, my goodness. But it's Mm -hmm. one of the fastest growing industries in America. And as the money flooded into the industry, women's leadership eroded. Last year was the first where women's growth in weed, it failed to outpace other industries. And once it became a proven field, guess what? The men came through to claim it. Oh, you don't say. We started something, absolutely killed it, and then they came through to claim it. That just sounds like, I don't know, history repeating itself. Another Tuesday. (laughs) Yeah, right? Another Tuesday in womanhood. Welcome to Another Tuesday in Womanhood. I'm Kimberly Brooks. And I'm Gina Brion. This is The State of Women, a podcast from PMC, Population Media Center. The U.S. has around 13 million businesses owned by women, and almost half of all startups founded in 2021 were formed by women. But some states do a much better job than others in creating an environment for women-owned businesses to thrive. And on this episode, we're unpacking how. And the lessons from policies that work that can extend across the states. I am so excited. Kimberly. <laughs> this this episode sounds like it's going to be positive. I refuse to let it be anything but positive. I refuse. This will be a positive, informative, <laughs> <laughs> inspirational episode. <laughs> Welcome to the State of Women podcast. I'm Ashanti Golar, president of Emerge. 
Emerge is changing the face of leadership in this country by recruiting and training new American majority women. Black, brown, and indigenous women and women of color, as well as young LGBTQ and unmarried women to run for office and win. If you're listening to this podcast, I know you care about the state of women. I'm here to make sure you understand the impact of state and local elected officials on the state of women. There are over 520,000 elected offices in this country. Over 519,000 of them are at the state and local level. School board, judge, town clerk, state legislature, and the people holding these offices impact our lives with the stroke of a pen. Right now, Emerge has over a thousand program alums serving an elected office nationwide. In the next 12 years, we will reach 100,000 women of the new American majority, and we want you to join us on this journey. Thought about running for office? Sign up to learn more about how we can train you to run and win at EmergeAmerica.org slash T-S-O-W. Tell them Ashanti sent you. If running for office isn't for you, we need you to support the women who are stepping up to run. Join Emerge. Learn more at EmergeAmerica.org. It's time to emerge. You know, I think after the pandemic, you it seems like there were a lot of people, a lot of women in general that shifted, pivoted to this idea like, you won't break my soul. That's right. Release the anger, release the job, release the nine to five, like do your own thing, <laughs> be your own boss. That's the thing. Be your own boss. You're your own boss. Yes, and I love it. I love the hours. It's amazing. I make my own hours. I make my own schedule. It's amazing, and I love it so much. I love women in power, women in business. I myself have taken on some other, you know, um, how do how do we put this? I don't know how do grown ups talk. <laughs> I have taken on some other business endeavors, oh. uh, including inside the world of cannabis hey. for myself. I'm working with a wonderful woman named Christine De La Rosa on my own strain of weed, and Christine herself what? is someone who entered into the industry because she had undiagnosed lupus. Oh my goodness. And was on several medications and almost died in 2015 and then discovered cannabis as a cure for a lot of her ailments and wow. just became this incredible entrepreneur, this woman who just dominated in so many different ways. So following in her footsteps. One day, the dream is to own my own dispensary. So That's incredible. Will, you'll see Gina's dispensary somewhere, Gina's Wonderland or something. We'll find a fun name for it. <laughs> That's what I was going to ask you. I was like, what are the names of these strains and what is the name of this this Gina dispensary, <laughs> this Brio dispensary? We would, I, would find, I would find a fun name for my like adventures, weed ventures, maybe that might already be something, but something fun that would make you want to go in there and have a wonderful experience. <laughs> never I think come that's out. the thing. <laughs> I never come out. It'd be like a fun house. I oh think that's the thing with this industry. People are very intimidated by trusting it and liking it even because of propaganda that existed before. But that's why I'm so proud of the women pioneers who have just dominated in the weed industry like Christine. This is why I'm so excited about today. I am excited. 
I'm excited for you. I mean, did you find this journey difficult or was it just like a natural extension because you're already working on your own? Because a lot of people, it's like, oh, my gosh, I have to leave my stability. I have to leave the job I know. And I'm going to go out on my own. And that's super scary. But for you, it seems like it's maybe it was just like, uh, it's just a an, it's an extra added dimension of your your entrepreneurship anyway. New things are always a little scary. And I think it's more so because, oh my God, what are people going to think? Like, what would my parents think if I told them I had my own marijuana strain or wanted my own dispensary? Luckily, I come from a family that is wildly supportive. You know, my parents have no desire to do comedy, but the second they knew I wanted to do comedy, they were wonderfully supportive. And I think that's kind of the only way you should be with people that have endeavors like this. Because I think when you come in and you just pull the rug out from someone who's trying to do something epic and big and be a boss and an entrepreneur, like that's the worst thing you could do is Absolutely. pull the rug out from under them and make them feel like it's an, not an achievable goal. When in actuality, all it takes is a lot of dedication and accepting that failure is a part of the success. So all the things that go wrong could lead to the one thing you need to go right. I'm so happy you said that. I think that is so important for people to hear because it's like you really have to have those spaces where mm -hmm. people protect your little seed of an idea. Yes. Because if you're in the the wrong environment, you can really just let the whole idea go, get discouraged. You need people who are going to water it, nurture it, like your parents have it super protected so you can see it all the way to its first bloom. Yeah, 100%. And we're very lucky now because we've we've honestly, at least for someone like me, we've come up in an age of a lot of encouragement for women to lead. But really, when you think about it, is there anything close to gender equality in business leadership? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. End of episode. Roll credits. We're Goodbye. Done. Thanks talking to you guys. No. <laughs> I mean, there's not that many Gina's. I think <laughs> this not. is a thing. Literally speaking, Every girl is a boss. I mean, we have hey. the portal to life. If you find your inner power and you really like own it, every single woman is a boss. So I just want to mm -hmm. say that. But in terms of the data for entrepreneurship, it's lagging behind. It was totally legal to deny women loans on the basis of their sex up until 1974. When it comes to giant companies, though, global conglomerates and banks, women are way underrepresented in finance and things like that at the top of the top where people are managing stocks, bonds, uh, your personal retirement fund, the chance of a woman, let's not even talk about women of color. Um, uh -huh. It's just shockingly low. We still got a lot of work. Yeah. I mean, when we're saying all this, it's like you don't want to overwhelm people. I think it's very important to like not mm -hmm. bombard yourself with all of the negative stats and things like that. But when we talk about these things, I mean, it just shows that progress is being made, but you can never really stop fighting because I think the equality fight's going to be forever. It's going to take a minute. Yeah. We're like chipping away at equality. Yeah, we're sharing this stuff with you guys just to show that the the chip chipping has to keep chip chipping for as yeah. long as you're alive to chip chip. <laughs> <laughs> we must chip chip, chip chip away. Let's discuss what the landscape uh, looks like for female founders across the United States. Yeah, so that's why we're the state of women, because we're telling you what's happening mm -hmm. state to state. So there's a study, it's using data from 2020, and it found that the best states for women-owned businesses are 
California, Colorado, New York, Florida, Vermont. Not surprising, the the places on the coast, the places that are a little bit more liberal. And the worst, according to this data, was West Virginia, Mississippi, Alabama, Arkansas, Kentucky, places in the South that, I mean, these states sort of overlap with other things that are really bad for women. So Mm -hmm. that's not surprising either. But this study is based on metrics like the percentage of female-owned small businesses in a state, the women-to-men pay ratios. We know the wage gap is abysmal. The female unemployment rates, the number of female-owned companies for every 10,000 residents. It's based on things like that. But, okay, I told you California was good, so let's look at California. This is home to the most women-owned businesses in the $1 million-plus category, and that's thanks to Silicon Valley. What do you think about that? Okay, Callie, go ahead and get it, Callie. I might have to think about a move over there as much as I love New York. Right. So I could really uh, hit boss level, honestly. <laughs> and the weather's nice. I ain't gonna lie. Don't they have a lot of dispensaries in California? Yes, they do. I have some of my favorites. For a list of Gina's favorite dispensaries, follow her on social media. So California could be a good option for you. Yes. Don't go to West Virginia. West Virginia, Mississippi, Alabama, Arkansas, and Kentucky, you're out. I just really want to like sit down with the leaders here, the executives, the government, like what is going on in these states? Like what is the problem? West Virginia has the highest female unemployment and the fewest women led businesses per 10,000 residents. Oh, my God. That Basically, I mean, forget the stats. It just means like women are struggling. That's what that Mm -hmm. in Mississippi and Alabama, they rank low because the pay gap is as wide as it can get in those states. So that's a problem. The struggle is real. Yeah. Minnesota. One of our producers are from Minnesota. Minnesota stands out for being woman business friendly. Hey. Because the women businesses are larger than typical there. They have about 10 employees per business if you break it down. And that's two more employees in the nationwide average. So go Minnesota. (laughs) You know, I once did a show for a majority male company and they didn't know that I was the main performer. And one of the guys came up to me and said, what are you doing here? Do you work here? And I went, no, I'm, I'm the performer. And he said, oh, are you a dancer? Are you a singer? Like he couldn't fathom that I would be doing anything else. I was like, no, I'm a stand-up comic. And he just was so mind blown. Needless to say, it was not, I was not well received. (sighs) You know, you hear those stories all the time and it's hard to parse out if it's because you're a woman or because you're Latina or because it's both. It's like I hear different stories about like, you know, when there's a a female doctor, female black Mm -hmm. doctor, you're in the hospital and the the patient will think they're the nurse. They don't assume that the woman or a woman of color is the person who is in charge or leading everything. I've had guys say to me, how can an, a lineup of all female comics be consistently funny? And yet that question is never asked when the lineup, in most cases, it is always majority male. It's never asked when the lineup is majority male. Nobody goes, how can a bunch of men be consistently funny? Yeah. Nobody ever asked that question. So why is it so much harder for women to get investments and funding? I feel like I already know this, but go ahead. Because they're women. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. sexism is real. It's not a nightmare of mine. It's a real thing. I mean, when are women getting proper funding? We don't even get proper health care, child care, none of the things. So this <sighs> is just another example. 
I mean, everything is an extension of its layered problems, institutional mm-hmm. layered problems. I mean, have you had any issues before, like securing funds or money for anything in your life? I mean, what about this business that you've been talking about, the dispensary? Oh, yeah. Well, I was I was petrified even to dip my toe into the dispensary world because of all the negative feedback I had gotten from people that I talked to, mainly men, uh, mainly the men that were in finance that I talked to were like, oh, well, it's going to be too complicated and it's going to take a long time and you're better off just basically it was like you're better off taking a step down and just managing a dispensary or doing something that way as opposed to trying to have your own thing. And what'd you say? (laughs) I said, watch me. I like that. But it's completely disheartening. And I think if you're already a person that's easily swayed and somebody were to come to you with all these like things that make sense, like, oh, yeah, well, this is going to be too much money. Yeah, of course, it's going to be a lot of money. (laughs) You have to figure out how to get that money, how to get financing. It's extra work. But uh, I do my best to try not to be deterred by negative Nancy's (laughs) or negative Nathan's. Do you know the Usher meme, the watch this? Have you seen that? (laughs) Yes. That's me. Watch this. Watch this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, so, yeah, I guess it's it's happening all across the board. You can even see the the VC funding gap like on Shark Tank. You know, mm. none of the sharks have gender parity in who they fund. They've even missed opportunities with women who um, headed the companies that were presented like Lumi. If you remember mm. that one, they were yep. selling photo printing kits and they were told that the valuation was ridiculous. And so the owner, she refused their lower offers on the show and she wound up growing her her business to $2.5 million. So sometimes the success is in not listening. Mm-hmm. Take that shark tank. <laughs> you know, I think that's a beautiful thing when you can prove people wrong. Yes. I mean, we can prove that these biases against women exist too, right? Like we can, there's proof. Yeah, unfortunately. I mean, there's actual data to back up all of the things that we're we're talking about. It's unfortunate because startup investment is so crucial for businesses mm-hmm. to begin or to scale. And this is really interesting. Like when men and women go to VC investors, they get asked different types of questions. And this greatly affects how much money they get. So there was this Harvard Business Review. It looked at these Mm -hmm. meetings between VC funds and different founders. And they found in this study that they did that 67% of the questions that they asked to the male entrepreneurs were promotion oriented. So they were questions like, how can you grow? What opportunities are there? And then they found Mm. that 66% of those questions that they gave to the female entrepreneurs were prevention oriented. So they asked the women questions like, how will you keep this from failing? What are you doing to make sure this doesn't flop? They were asking men questions about how the businesses will succeed. And they were asking women to prove that their businesses wouldn't fail. And that also contributes to why women get underfunded. Yeah, a hundred percent. So studies show that companies led by women perform better. But just because you have a woman doesn't mean it's a cure-all for bad work culture or practices. Mm. Sometimes when women are leading, you know, you still have these toxic work environments. Thinks they had sexual harassment and underpayment of employees. 
Wow. The company away. They had this clicky office environment and overwork that was reported. Man Repeller had racial insensitivities. Theranos, you had fraud. Some of these things aren't eliminated just because the founders are women. But Mm. there are some women-led companies with much better employee practices that we can give a shout out to that are doing things in a way where I'm like, I might want to work there. Cliff Bars, they were founded by a husband and wife team and they offer meal stipends, reimbursements for public transportation. But yeah, some women are doing it right and wouldn't be surprised because women are nurturing. So there you go. Bow. Bow. That's how we get it done. Overall, we have seen more women founders, especially in fields like weeds. So yay. And more can be (laughs) done to boost lady entrepreneurs, which we will talk about after the break. Woke AF Daily with Daniel Moody is your much needed wake up call in a weary world. Let Danielle's fiery passion for creating a better world kickstart your day and get woke with her bevy of special guests from the worlds of news and politics, art, entertainment, and spirituality. Where else can you start the conversation on the latest headlines and end on the importance of rest and mindfulness? Where else can you hear a sitting member of Congress one day and a practicing yogi the next? Where else can you take in the world filtered through the powerful voice of a Black queer woman? Where else but Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody. So, Gina. Yes. This conversation, I feel like, lifted me up. It's very inspiring to talk about women creating their blueprint for success, you know? I always feel jazzed up after these conversations. Like I should go out and start 10 more businesses. Like that's how I feel (laughs) at the end of this, honestly. That's cool. I didn't feel like I wanted to start 10, but I did feel like I wanted to start maybe one. Um, (laughs) (laughs) At least one, right? Yeah, at least one. So the lessons from the weed industry, it's where Mm -hmm. women leaders did better than others in any other sector. It's creating the community. It's supporting the community. Yeah. Women in that community don't feel like they're in such a boys club because they've leaned on each other. And they've even started a women grow community to support one another, which just sounds amazing. Yes. And there's this one marijuana dispensary CEO. This is going to be you, Gina, in the future. But there's this one CEO named Wanda James. Uh, She put it this way to Refinery29. We need to stop the culture of competition amongst women because when men and especially white men own 77% of political power, 89% of CEO power, 98% of wealth, we need to have a spirit of, yeah, girl, let's do this. Boom. (laughs) The other lesson is the open attitude about financing and funding each other's ideas because they're in more positions of leadership. So just having more women at the top of that sector has helped pull more women up, which is exciting. Now, here's what we can do collectively. First things first, our culture has to change to fear women in positions of leadership less. Men in power need to be allies and check themselves if they're being prevention-focused with women and promotion-focused with men. Did y'all hear that? Did you hear that? We need some bros on our side. Guys, 
Can we get some yeah. books? Yeah. Like, where are the guys at? Like, guys, if you see that your other male counterparts are not supporting the ladies, then say something. You see mm-hmm. something, say you something. See something, this say all something. works if we support each other. A hundred percent. We also need more women venture capitalists. Only about 2% of all venture capital went to women run businesses in 2020. That was slightly down from 2019 because who gets in front of VCs has so much to do with networking. We need more women cutting checks in the VC world if you want this to change. More women should be cutting checks, period. Hard T. If you're trying to figure out what you can do on an individual basis, you can always make a difference in a small way. If you're a leader, just support women. Yes. Mentor younger women. Be an ally. Make sure their ideas are credited. Allyship, like actually, you know, look at ways in which you can improve the way you're interacting with people on your team. Yeah. And calling people out if you see them not supporting. That's a huge part of allyship. Absolutely. And then if you start your own business, you can set the practices that make the world a more equitable place. Like you can actually create your own blueprint. It doesn't have to be the way all the other corporations have done it in the past. So there's this clothing company owner, and she's also a TikToker. Her name's Madeline Pendleton. And she explained that she pays everyone herself included, a universal wage. And they also Mm. do this profit sharing. So when they had record sales, they bought everyone a car. She said this. uh, She said, in 2020, I settled on equal take-home pay across the board for days worked. It was easier for people to understand. And we combined it with giving people paid time off whenever they need, not just for vacations, but also for things like mental health days and physical health days. Our company culture is one that rewards rest. And we focus more on getting the work done than putting in the hours. I mean, mm. Madeline, this this woman is raising the bar super high. That's what everyone should be modeling. Yes, 100%. Work, Madeline. Work. <laughs> so kudos to her. We're also going to include on our site a lot of groups, um, stateofwomenpod.com that support women founders, these groups that work toward more gender equality in business. They're groups like Women Moving Millions and How Women Invest. And you can also check out allraise.org, which is this group supporting tech culture where specifically women and non-binary voices are leading and shaping the future. And Gina, there's also funds that help you found smaller businesses in pretty much every single state. So The U.S. Small Business Association, it has a list of resources, including a lender match tool where you can find more funding. NerdWallet also has this list of grants by state. So we're going to have all of these resources where you can check that out if you choose. Yep, you heard us correctly. More funding. So, you know, when you think about all this, I mean, what do you imagine like the best ideal situation being in the future? What's your vision for women in leadership and business? Oh, I just want us to dominate. What I think we actually need is women in the right positions. We need women to be able to get funding, to be able to get support. And in order to do that, we really need a lot more female representation like we were talking about before with VCs. We need that. We need women that are able to fund these female-led projects that I think will completely change the game. 
this feels good. This feels like, you know, women are moving in the right direction. Okay. Obviously, always more progress to make, but we have one of the entrepreneurs talking to me right now. So I feel yes. inspired. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to leave with some inspiration for everybody to take with them. I'm Gina Brione. And I'm Kimberly Brooks. You can find me at Gbrione on IG. And you can find me at Kim Nakia Brooks. This is The State of Women, a podcast from Population Media Center. Until next time. Take care, y'all. Deuces. The State of Women is produced by Population Media Center, Clamor, and Reasonable Volume. This episode was written by Elise Hugh. The executive producers are me, Gina Brion, and Kimberly Brooks. Lisa Caruso, Alex Demianenko, Adam Reynolds, Allison Cheneau, Elise Hugh, and Rachel Swaby. The series was created by Lisa Caruso and Alex Demianenko. Producers are Erica Lowy and Maddie Zampanti. Associate producers are Lillian Holman and Justin Cho. This episode was edited by Maddie Zampanti and assistant edited by Justin Cho. Research by Bethy Squires. Audio engineer is Claire Reynolds. PMC's Impact and Partnership Strategist is Charity Twos. PMC's Manager of Creative Development is Dominica Ruelas. Additional special thanks to June Neely of PMC, Erin Hilliard, and Molly Cody of Clamor. This podcast was recorded in the fall of 2022. Please subscribe to The State of Women wherever you get your podcast. Share and follow The State of Women pod on social media and check out thestateofwomenpod.com to learn more about organizations driving change.